Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, welcome everybody to another Empowered Love radio show. And a big hello from sunny, very warm Australia at the moment. And if you hear any goats bleating during this show, I had the goats at this window, at my office window, bleating just before. I've got house goats. So if you hear that, don't think you're going crazy. Don't think you're going mad. This is part of my self-sufficient life that I'm creating with the lovely Dale. And... If you're hearing animal noises, that's what it's all about. So speaking of noises, we know that in the last few uh, recordings of these episodes, the quality hasn't been great. So finally, finally, and it's today, unfortunately. So we're going to battle through this one because, as you know, I'm off the grid. Uh, we're not on inter- any internet power or any, um, any normal electricity. So it's all by mobile and satellite and, you know, all these incredible technological things that I really don't understand. But they work, which is fantastic. But what it does mean that, you know, when I'm working with clients through Skype, it's usually great. It really is. But for some reason with Blog Talk Radio, when I'm dialing in and talking, the reception can cut out or be a bit funny. So... You know, the logical thing is going to be doing some recordings straight off my PC and then loading them up. Why didn't I think about that before? We've been just trying to get this reception better. So from next week onwards, apart from when I'm having guests, the quality is going to be better. So hang in there for today because today's show is going to be a bit show. And this is another thing of I didn't really realize why didn't I think of this before. And really the reason this show came about was because it was sort of a little bit of a loose end. It was coming into the new year and at the end of the year. And I'm thinking, wow, what am I going to do for guests? And people are away and this and that. And and I thought, okay, well, you know, coming back into January, I'll just do a question and answer show. Now, the funny thing about this is, is most things I do on the fly. I'm really in the moment and I'm just flowing with whatever's going on and what's happening because my life is so busy, that's the way I need to do it, you know, and thank goodness about not being a control freak like I used to be in the past because you probably realize that if you try and strategize your life and you make it all happen exactly the way you want it to happen with all these crazy expectations, that usually it's very disappointing and painful and you're in a lot of resistance and it's not happening the way you thought it should happen. You know, and being an over-functioning OCD codependent, that's definitely the life I used to come from. What's great about this surrendered, trusting, oneness, true self life is I just go with whatever happens. So I don't prepare these shows. And what happens with these shows and with this particular show is I know the questions I'm regularly getting because I get questions all the time. I get an email box, inbox full of 100 plus questions a day and that's usually a very normal day. Now, obviously what's happening is because 
more and more people are learning about my resources and obviously I'm getting really, really busy with what I'm doing, it's getting hard for me to answer everybody. I really do do my best. Those of you that have emailed me or semi-regularly or off and on, you'll know that it's really a big thing for me to try to get back to you. Now what's happening is some of these emails are getting lengthier and lengthier and the questions more and more and it can get really, really hard for me to get through them and some of them I just cannot get to. So I think this show is going to be a really good regular thing so that the most common, the most powerful, the most meaningful questions and answers that come up on a regular basis that I know are very much about that shift out of pain into freedom once you get this sorted, they're the questions and answers I want to put up that I really want to do once a month. Now, so interesting. I love it. I love synchronicity and how it all just flows and fits in. The, the questions I was already thinking about, and I just thought they go the goats. You probably heard that. You might have. The questions that I was thinking about are actually ones that within the last day or two have either come to me by email from other people, these same repeat questions I get over and over again. And also, too, they've arrived on the blog because I put out a blog yesterday about taking personal responsibility and how it is the number one tool for healing, for your self-healing. Now, the response on that blog has been fantastic. It's been really good. So for any of you that are not on my blog, I really would hope you do so. And you can Google Melanie Tonya Evans blog and it'll come up and really subscribe to that and be a part of that because I'm putting out things there once a week or twice a week that are really going to help inspire you. And the great thing is other people are really interacting with that and I'm interacting with that quite specifically rather than my inbox, um, which can just be random and crazy. You know, I still do that, but I'm putting a lot of emphasis into answering questions on the blog now. That's another one of my New Year's resolutions. So if you really want to have some input there and have some questions and answers on the blog is a good place to do it, as well as listening to this radio show and as well as the other radio shows, all the other podcasts I do, which often spiral. They go over the same things over and over again, just in a different way from a different angle, but that really is the true way to get your shifts and get your healing and, as we say, get it drummed into ourselves. I don't know if that's a US expression, but it's definitely an Australian expression that sometimes we've got to drum things into our conscious mind before it will actually hit our unconscious, subconscious and become a way of being. So the more we're getting the positive stuff, the easier it gets to be able to do this. So during this radio show, I'm going to be answering questions that have been emailed to me and they have regarding all sorts of topics relating to codependency, manifestation, boundary function, quantum freedom healing, recovery strategies and so much more. So also too, please know that in this chat room today, if you want to come to into it and you've got any comments, you want to a question and time for it, we're going to see how time goes with this because we do have a bit of material to go through. So I'm just going to get started and these questions, some of them are dynamite questions. They're really, really powerful questions and they're very, very important questions. So this one actually came to me and I'm not sure if it was today or tomorrow and it was one I was going to raise and it was one that was also on the blog and it was definitely on my list. So the last person who put it forward, I'm actually going to use her example. So Maya emailed me and she said, hey Mel, love you, love your work and happy new year. So 
Mae, I hope you're really listening to this. And if not, if you pick it up in archives, because you might be asleep right now. You've changed my life or I've changed or I've changed my life through you. We did it together, Dal. I've put my boundaries up and claimed my freedom, but can you please tell me how is a child responsible for their upbringing? If a mother is a narc, how was I responsible as a child to controlling her behaviour or to have invited her into my life through my own volition? Please understand that I'm aware of the whole concept of accepting her rights and the rights of others to be mayor. Perfect question, mayor, and somebody else put it up on the blog. And it was really interesting because when I wrote about responsibility, I thought somebody's going to ask this, and I really, really hope they do. I've had this question lots of times. Okay. When we're into healing, it is about personal responsibility, as per what I wrote in the blog, and it is essential. Now, there are two trains of thought in this in regard to responsibility as a child. The truth of the matter is, as a child, absolutely, we were powerless, we were helpless. We did not have the resources, the boundary function, the tools or the power to be able to look after ourselves. We were completely codependent, completely dependent. That is absolute. Now, the first school of thought on this is that as children, we were helpless, totally. But as adults, we're not. And as adults, we can heal our childhood wounds. And if we don't heal our childhood wounds, the overwhelming information is that we stay a victim. We remain powerless and we remain victimized and we remain in the pain and we don't heal if we do not take responsibility for healing our childhood wounds. Now, that's part of your question. Now, that's a very powerful train of thought, but that's not really answering your question. Really, your question is about how was I responsible for inviting my mother into my experience? Because if I'm going to understand myself vibrationally at a quantum physics level, I'm responsible for everything that happens in my experience and everything I experience reflects a part of me. Now, the problem with this is, is when we have a limited view of timelines. If you believed that you came from nowhere and started a lifetime from a clean slate and you just happened to have your mother as your experience, well, then that would make no sense. And of course, you're not responsible because it was just a random bang out of the blue thing that was like sort of like a lotto number that you could have picked up. Now, I do not subscribe to that belief. I don't. I have absolutely all of my life believed in past life incarnations. And the reason I did that, I came from a very, very strictly Protestant upbringing. So I certainly did not have that around me. I did not have people talk to me about that. I wasn't four years of age picking up books and reading about it. In fact, there was nobody in my environment that subscribed to that belief in any shape or form. But from the age of four years of age, I saw past lives. And I mean that. Specifically, I would actually see people, and I can remember it as vivid as I'm looking at my computer screen now, and I could actually see what it would be like. You know how when you look at like a TV or I don't know how to describe it, like a movie, and they're showing one scene and the screen is cut down the middle and there's a screen of what's going on and there's a screen of what did happen or there's two different screens and scenes playing out. That's the best way I can describe it. I would look at people at that age and obviously I was very open. Nobody had told me it was ridiculous. It just happened. And I would see now and I would see before. 
And what I mean by before, past lives, same people, different bodies, different scene, different time. And I would see how that related to that. Now, when I was growing up, that was normal for me. I actually thought everybody did it. And I mean that. It wasn't until I got a bit older and I was like, oh, my God, there's something wrong with me, right? What happened when I was very, very young, I think I was four or five, my parents actually had friends. And it was a couple and we used to go to their house. And anyway, I saw this scene. I saw this scene of him murdering her in a past life. It's that simple. I said to my mum, he's going to kill her. I'm not coming into the house. He's evil. He's bad. I want nothing to... I can't. I can't. I would not get out of the car. I'd be screaming, kicking, screaming, etc., etc. Anyway, as it turned out, he did. He killed her in this lifetime. It repeated. The same thing happened. The same pattern, blah, 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 blah. And... You know, everybody thought that she was just sick and they said, you know, he was cunning. He, but he got caught out. He got caught out. He got in prison. That happened. That was true. So my whole life has been these sorts of experiences. I shut it off for a long, long time and then it came back to me. And now I live it. So I don't look at people and that happens. But when I'm in a healing matrix, healing people, absolutely that happens. And this is part of what I use in quantum freedom healing, etc., etc. So... I know I'm rambling, but to cut a long story short, I totally believe that whatever we haven't healed, whatever painful programs we're running, the things that we've never resolved, healed and liberated over, the things we've hung on to that are not true self, that are actually compromising. I'm going to have to shut the window on the goats. Go away, goats. They love I'm their mother. I bottle fed them. Go away. The, the things that we haven't healed and we're not in true self function over, which is peace, freedom, release. The things that we are making responsible for our well-being, the illusion, the things on the outside that happened to me have created my lack of well-being. We're, we're not a creator, in other words. Those things that we hang on to, which is an illusion, which is not true self-function, which is not who we really are, what happens is we pass over with that stuff and then we bump into the exact match of that again. So we attract the perfect parents that are representing the perfect things that we haven't healed. And the reason that happens is so that the unconscious can become conscious. So what happens is we grow up attracting, experiencing the same vibrations of the same pain that we never healed. And it becomes conscious because it hurts. And pain is a signal to heal your unhealed parts. That's all it is. The problem is with humankind is we've been taught to disconnect from it, run from it, cover it up, medicate it, ignore it. It's a, so, you know, the trigger, the signal to heal this unhealed part keeps banging away at our door and we keep trying to squash it, remove it, not look at it, not deal with it. We never heal. And we just keep trying to survive and exist in everything we're attracting over and over again without getting to the bottom root of why we don't heal. So as children, absolutely, we run into the parents that represent exactly what we came from. And the interesting thing about all of this is when you understand quantum physics properly is that our parents, absolutely. Okay, I'll, I'll use my situation. I came from past lives of horrific persecution. Okay, now what happens is, and this is exactly the same as the narcissistic experience. Anybody can understand this if you've had a narcissistic experience. You take on other people's versions of you that are painful and contrary to yourself unless you've got a true self good boundary function you take it on so what had happened in my past lives i've been persecuted 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 put to death horrific i've had horrific lifetimes that's why this lifetime was so interesting and the, that's why it played out the way it did until i healed it you know 
And what had happened during out all of that timeline and all of that reality is I had started persecuting myself. I took on their versions of me and modeled myself that way. So I was always judging myself. I was like that since a little, little, little kid. Okay, so I attracted parents that were a perfect match for that. So it could be really, really argued. It's a real chicken egg, right? Was I like that or did my parents make me like that or was it both? It was both and it started in past lives. So that persecution that had got set up in my matrix to have this incredible fear and horrific pain in regard to being persecuted, okay, I was persecuting myself. I was my own worst persecutor. I was my own worst narcissist. Okay, I got parents that fitted into that that role perfectly. Then I got love partners that fitted into that role perfectly and so on and so forth. So what happens is when we clean all of that up and we understand it properly, we actually clean it up on every level. We clean it up on the past life level. We clean it up on the childhood level. And we clean it up through the pain body level. And they're the three levels where it's actually been affected. And they all relate to each other and they're all really the same thing. So, Maya, I really help you, hope that helps you understand that one of the greatest gifts that we can get our liberation and our healing and responsibility is realizing that our parents are reflecting back us the stuff that we already had going on. And the most loving thing somebody can do... I always said, and my relationship with my mother is much better than what it was. I used to have this relationship with my mother, which was very competitive, very judgmental, very much about persecution. And it was interesting because when I was broken and at death's door, she was fabulous. But as soon as I was healthy and well, it started again. Now, I had always looked at other relationships with people's mothers and I had said, oh my God, I just wish I had a loving mother. I wish I had a mother that was like a sister or a best girlfriend or, you know, somebody I could talk about sex or boys or what's bugging me or you know what dress I should buy or you know what I mean you do know what I mean now I never had that and I still don't have that and when I healed the stuff about my mum which was another big pieces of my journey what it was was understanding that at soul level my mother was only reflecting back to me the ways I thought about myself and that was the way I was even before I came, we came into each other's experience. But the most loving thing that anybody can give you is to give you back to your own self-love. And through my experience with my mother, who did not unconditionally love and accept me, I learned to unconditionally love and accept myself. So her soul contracted with me to give me the painful experience and to make it painful enough that I had to go to the authentic experience within myself of unconditionally loving and accepting myself. And for that, I am eternally grateful because she was perfect to do that. And I love her for that at a soul level. So that is what really, really helps us heal. So that's question number one, and I hope that makes sense. And the thing is true, I'm very, very aware that there's people out there with denominational beliefs, um, Christian beliefs, other denominational beliefs that are very, very opposed to past lives. Now, let me just say, I don't judge your beliefs and I allow anybody to have any beliefs that they want to have. I do not have a denominational belief. I'm not even a Buddhist, in any shape or form, I'm a spiritualist and I believe in energy, source, life and God and us are all the same thing. You don't have to believe my beliefs and I don't have to believe your beliefs. 
all I'm interested in is what heals and what works. And I absolutely have had Christians that have gone, all right, all right, I don't get the past life thing and it really runs against my grain. But you know what? I'm just so broken and shattered that I'm going to give this a go. You know, I certainly am not with the devil. I do not subscribe to pain and fear and, and evil. That, that's not my reality. My reality is love and healing and acceptance. But it is totally up to you whether or not you can or can't stomach that. And I don't mind either way because I'm just here to do my job and be myself and be my true self and help other people be their true selves. So that's that one. So the second one that I wanted to deal with, the second question, is this is a really, really good question. And this is about with narcissists, the confusing part about how they can be so revolting, so painful and so much the destroyer, but yet they can do the most beautiful things, the most thoughtful things. You know, it was really, really interesting because my ex-narcissist, who is high-level sociopathic slash psychopathic, and still, you know, I get tidbits of information every now and then, who is still in the world running amok, you know, like he's just not a nice person. But yet, this man used to hold doors open for me, help me up and down steps, put a, put a coat over my shoulder if it was raining. If I had a sore neck, he'd get the denka rub out and rub it for me. You know, really, really thoughtful, care, caring things that were like automatic for him. So the question that I've got here, now this happens to everybody, really nearly, nearly everybody, unless he's just a total pig, you know, nearly everybody, or she of course, um, relates this to narcissists, how can such a nice person, how can such a, how can a narcissist be a nice person? My answer to that is really two sorts of things here, and this one came from, um, this one came from Christine, and this email was today, and this is a regular question as well, and, you know, she's struggling with this, and Christine has only just started working on the recovery program. She's had it for a while. So, Christine, I'm going to give you a kick up the bum right here, right now, because I'm just going to say it how it is. You've needed to get a lot more motivated on this, and I say this to every woman in recovery, you need to make your self-healing, your recovery, a big deal. It needs to be an everyday deal. Not just when I have time, or I might get to it this weekend, or I've got a week off work next, you know, in a month. No way. No way. The, the whole problem with narcissistic abuse and where women have been, and men, but specifically women, is we've been conditioned to believe that we put ourselves last, that everything else, the housework, the kids, the everybody else, the friends, whatever, whatever, our bosses, our Everything else is more important than us. Women have suffered from extreme lack of self-esteem, self-deservedness and self-commitment. Nothing is going to change if you don't step up. I was really, really lucky. I got broken to the point I was going to die. I had a complete psychotic breakdown. I was about to be institutionalized. There was no way out other than to completely let go of the outside world and start doing the work on myself. So in recovery, I still had a child doing VCE, actually year 11 at that time. I still had a business where I was running 12 people. Now, these things still continued in the middle of my psychotic breakdown as well as my self-care that I, for the first time in my life, I used to be a person, I felt guilty going for a massive. It was like wrong to look after myself and I know a lot of you are going to relate and if you're like that, you have been dead 
set ringer for narcissistic abuse because if you don't love, respect and care and support yourself, you're going to have somebody turn up in your life where you go, yeehaw, here is the person that's going to give me me because they appear that and then they turn into your biggest destroyer they're actually reflecting back to you the lack of respect self-care love and support you give yourself because we've been too busy so this is a huge wake-up call and don't get to where I got dribble coming out the corner of your mouth crawling on all fours to realize this truth so what I did in my recovery I used to get up at six o'clock in the morning after about three hours of shattered psychotic nightmare sleep put myself in a bath put on Louise Hayes 101 power affirmations I used to meditate I used to journal I used to take myself off for regular breaks for affirmations I would come home I would do healings on myself I'd see him I would journal I would do 11-11s every single night. I was putting about three hours of work into myself a day as well as doing my life because I had to. And it was the best thing I ever did because I learned to be at one with myself. Nobody is going to love you, support you, respect you authentically until you learn to do it for yourself. So, Christine, that should kick up the bum. But thank you for being an example to other people. It's always win-win because anybody listening into this who knows they're not doing it, knows they're in pain and their life doesn't look the way you want it to be and you're not being loved and supported and respected, that's one of your biggest number one reasons not. So her question is, so, you know, and Kristen, is in the narcissistic abuse recovery program, have we had it too properly yet? Because you said, I'm getting ready to do a quantum healing meditation tonight. You don't get ready to do it, you just do it. And you've had it for a long time. So, you know, for people that are ordering that program and getting serious about working on themselves, you need to hit the ground running. And the interesting thing is, you know, it's all really easy to go and do yoga or do nice things for ourselves when we're feeling good, but usually when we're feeling bad, we don't. You know, you eat junk, you smoke too much, you drink alcohol, you, you do all the really bad wrongs for yourself. In other words, we just add more pain onto the pain. When we're feeling intense pain and disconnection and anxiety and post-traumatic disorder and all those horrible, horrible things that it is our body screaming, you're not right. That's when we need to bog into the healing the most. And I know this is where a lot of people go for the support group. They're only a supplement to your healing. They are not the answer in itself, point blank. So, and, there, and I see it all the time. People on support groups, in their pain, in their pain, posting, 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 posting. Now, the interesting thing is, if you're not congruent and solid and getting healed on the inside, it doesn't matter what anybody else says to you. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't hit. You don't believe it. You just keep stuck in your pain. So use support groups as backup and as a supplement. They are only a supplement. But the real work is between you and you. And you've got to do that between you and and you with yourself. You've got to be on healing programs. You've got to be journaling. You've got to be meditating. You've got to be listening to the right information. You've got to be alone listening to my podcasts. You've got to be reading. You, all of that is between you and you and nobody else. That's your real healing. That's why I'm not a big fan of ongoing support groups of things like AA and, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I haven't had a drink for 23 years. 
Why are you at AA? Why aren't you on with your amazing, incredible life? Unless you're there to help inspire and support and and be a sponsor for other people, why are you there? Why do you still need support? Because you're not healed. Because you haven't done the healing work on yourself. So this is my big, big point. And back to the question, back to the question that Christine's done here. You know, this lady has has done all these beautiful things like the grocery and the washing and the laundry really thoughtful, beautiful things, and my ex-narcissist used to do that. How can a narcissist do this? Okay, well, look, you know, I really want you to move away from why does a narcissist do this, but we'll explore it for a moment. The the reality is with narcissistic abuse, the narcissists, narcissists can do a lot of stuff for narcissistic supply. Okay, now people that are true NPDs, when they do stuff, it's agenda-based. So it's for you to tell me I'm a great person, which gives me supply. So a lot of narcissists in everyday life are really helpful giving people. They're the first person to put their hand up and say, I'll help you with that. I'll come over. I'll mow your lawn. I'll help you with your computer. I'll, you know, so people think they're a fantastic person. Now they're giving to get. They're giving that sort of attention and support so that you can idolize them and tell them how wonderful they are. So that's a really, really big reason for it when narcissists are with partners initially they're doing that for that sort of supply and then they're doing it for agendas they're doing it for guilt they're using it for manipulation they're using it as personal weapons look at everything i did for you conditional love etc etc all the things to crush your boundaries bring you down and control you but the bottom line is this is the problem with too many people in narcissistic abuse too focused on trying to find out why they operate the way they do and they will dig and research and read all of Sam Batkin's stuff and my stuff and everybody else's stuff that's all over the internet trying to get the answer. If we can let go of all of that, and when you start doing your true healing, you do let go of all of that. And what you come back to is the question that is going to put you in contact with starting to do the healing work on yourself. Why am I tolerating somebody who does lovely things but also does atrocious, painful, abusive things? Why am I tolerating this? Why am I saying it's okay? Why am I staying stuck in it? And why am I suffering the agony of abuse? What is the reason in me as to why I'm still hooked into this? That's your real question. When you go to that question, you're going to look for the whys. You're going to want to go within on a deep, deep level. You're going to want to do the healing, the reading about codependency, about boundary function, about self, about working out your childhood programs, about doing vibrational release techniques on your belief systems and your associated agonies about feeling unlovable, unworthy, not good enough that have made you susceptible to being in this, staying in this and maintaining this. They're the real answers that you need to be looking for. So, Christine, I hope that really, really helps you with that one. Now, the third question that I want to go to is another great one, and I relate to this so much. It's a gorgeous lady, I know. We've had lots and lots of contact, and I know she's listening in, so hi, Val. And as I spoke to Val by email before this, I said, oh, I'm thinking about putting this question in. I'm not quite sure because I was doing everything on the fly, um, and I was corresponding on the blog. And then I went, you know what? I think this actually is really, really valid, and it is a question that I haven't heard that much. But I think it's actually really, really important. Now, Val's question is, she's looking at moving. She had a very painful narcissistic relationship that she was very hooked into for a very long time. And, you know, and she's extracted herself from it. And she's 
well on herself and, and she's an amazing lady, amazing lady. And she'd come from past narcissistic abuse and like most people did and a very, very painful life on many, many levels, childhood, etc. So Val's problem is, is a property that she's found which would be perfect for her and her animals, which she loves, um, is very close to her, in proximity to her ex-narcissist. And her body's going into reaction because she can take this place and she can have a lease on it and it would be perfect. And her body's going into reaction. Now, her confusion over this anxiety and this pain and this fear that's coming up, is this my body saying to me, danger, 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 don't do it? Or is because no contact, obviously, as we know, and recovery is just essential? Or is my body saying you need to step up and get more empowered on this? Okay, now what I would say, I went through this myself because, in, you know, with, with my ex who was very, uh, very dangerous, very, very psychopathic, psych, psychotic, just, you know, he was, he was off the charts. He lived 10 minutes from me for years. Now, I used to avoid all sorts of areas and things like the plague. I was in panic, you know, I had AVOs and all sorts of things and I was still terrified, mortified, etc., etc., etc. Now, when I really got into my power, which was basically I am free to be me regardless of what anybody else is or isn't doing in life and I have very powerful boundaries, which means that I'm not going to tolerate or have anything as my reality that is not my reality. So I knew very, very simply and very, very easily that if he moved into my space or contacted me that I would absolutely ignore and respond and I would bring him brought to justice. Now, the reality is for any of us that have had narcissistic abuse, it is a very, very simple matter to have an intervention order, an AVO, a DVO, put up this person, and all you have to say is, I broke up with this person, they still try and have contact with me, it disturbs me, it emotionally brings me a lot of pain, I want to move on in my life and I'm much better without them and I would like a restraining order put on that they cannot contact me or come near me. Simple. Now, if you do that intelligently, you do that um, very calmly with meaning it, you will get that AVO put on in a heartbeat. It's not hard to do. Now, women who say to me, I can't get an intervention order on, the police listen to me and they're telling me, you know, nothing, um, I can't get one on until something happens unless, you know, I'm physically threatened. Now, I promise you I went through all of that in the original start because I was hooked, I was distraught and actually I came across like a lunatic and what happened in those situations is the courtroom, the, the, the police officers, the intervention officers, they all look at you and go, you're the problem. Or we don't know, you may be the problem, like you're not well, you're not, you know, so they don't take you seriously. And it's a very law of attraction thing. If you're not in your power trying to exact that and create that reality, you're not going to get the right result. And if you're still hooked and I'm still in love with him and I know I have to do this, but, you know, it's breaking my heart and I don't want him to leave me alone and, you know, you're not going to get it on. Law of attraction is not going to supply you that result. So the reality is you've got to get very clear. You've got to be working on your recovery and you've got to know you mean it. And then when you mean it, you mean it. And it's simple and you get it done. And so my advice to you, Val, and as you've said, we may need to do a healing session on this. We certainly can to get that last bit of pain and fear and anxiety out of your body. My take on this, Val, is absolutely you are free and deserving to have the life and the property you want. If he lives three minutes away, too bad. 
This is the goal we want to move you to. And if he drops in and starts crap, you don't want him in your life. You know he's destructive. You know he's manipulative. You know he's a narcissist. And you know he rips your energy to pieces. And you know what? Even years down the track, if I bumped into my ex-narc, I wouldn't speak to him because I know I would be susceptible. Now, that's just being sensible, okay? Because I know this person knew my biggest wounds to hit would go for them again. Any conversation would be like with a five-year-old tyrant who only wants to rip me to pieces. I wouldn't, would not put myself in that position. Hence why... This person is not my reality. They they do not exist in my life. And if he tried to exist in my life, I would take action and eliminate it from my life. He's not my reality. So when you get really, really clear on this, Val, when you step up and you say, this is my reality, three minutes, and if he annoys and pesters and tries to rehook you, you get an intervention order on him, then he's not within allowed within 100 metres near you. He can't contact you. And then you go about your everyday life. And if you run into him in a supermarket, well, bad luck. He's got to clear 100 metres back. And you get on and you do your shopping and you go, this is my reality, which is a narc-free zone. And then you're free. When I got to that, it was amazing. I mean, I don't live in the area now. I've moved way into the country. But I could go anywhere. I went anywhere. I did anything. I did everything and anything in that area. I didn't care. It was like, oh, well, if it happens, I'll just deal with it. Because I'm living my reality. The interesting thing was, is when I got to that point and lived that reality, he was nowhere to be seen. I mean that. I never once bumped into him. I never even saw his car. I wasn't looking for it, mind you, which was a far cry from when I was still hooked and not healed, that every single time I saw a car that looked remotely like his or even the same color or the same hair color or a T-shirt, I was like traumatized. I had none of that. And it was really weird because I'd come home after being out in life or shopping and I'd go... I didn't even think about the possibility of bumping into him. I just really didn't because it's not my reality. So this is the goal. Now, I promise you, you can heal to that level, but you've got to put the work and the effort in. You can't just decide. It'd be lovely if we could all just go, right, I've decided that. But yet your body's still screaming with the fear and the anxiety and the post-traumatic stress disorder, etc., etc., etc. I promise you this. No matter what you try and make your head believe, if your body... If your emotional matrix isn't healed and doesn't believe it, you are trying to push poo uphill. You're not going to get that result. Hence why you've got to heal yourself. You've got to dedicate to that. And when you do dedicate to that, you get to the level of freedom that I've achieved. And Val, this level of freedom is so close. So it's time to get serious, to release that, to line up and know 100% that I'm going to take action if necessary. If he contacts me, I'm going to say to him, don't contact me again. This is not, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. If he steps up past that, you get an intervention order on and you enforce it. Simple. Because you are the guardian of your well-being. It's got nothing to do with what he is or isn't doing. It's what you're doing. So Val, I know you'll email me after this, but I hope that that has helped you. And more so, and so, I help 
hope that has helped other women living in similar situations because many of us were really stuck in the vicinity, very stuck in the vicinity. It's not like we could just uproot our lives and completely take off and maybe the narcissist didn't. So really, it is a very, very common problem. Okay, so the next one that I want to work on is the next question that I want to look at is I've got an email from uh, Meryl today. And Meryl, she said, great post on personal responsibility, which was in the blog. I'm working on acceptance now. I'm trauma bonded, but I want out. I want to heal. We are separated and he's wanting to punish me for filing first or filing at all for divorce. It feels like death to me, but the relationship became just a hell. I thought my being out of the house might help him see, but he just can't or won't. You're right, Meryl. If he's a narcissist, he can't and he won't. He's not going to see it. Is it really me? Will I just attract another one? Meaning narcissists. Lately, I feel such despair that I don't want to live. Almost not quite, but despair big time. Meryl, this is very, very normal. We all went through this. I fear I cannot care for myself with job, etc. What is wrong with me? How can you help? I think you might be able to. Well, I hope so too, because this is what I do every other day. And this is my mission. This is my second marriage to a narc psycho help. Thanks, Meryl. Okay, Meryl. So let's start at the start. Meryl, you're right in the throes of narcissistic abuse. Absolutely. Okay, you're at the beginning. Meryl, the, the re it's great that you read the blog on personal responsibility and it's great that you're getting it and you're working on acceptance. Okay, the reality is here and you want to heal. All of those are really, really, really good things. The reality is, Meryl, you cannot just be trying to deal with this through your head. As you know, your head is terrorizing you, beating you up. The pain is horrific. It feels like there's no way out. You're feeling despair. And absolutely, you're worried about, is this just going to happen again? What's wrong with me? This is your second marriage that you've already done. And generally, what happens with narcissists is we do continue. Well, absolutely, we continue the pattern. We continue the pattern of unsatisfying relationships and they get worse and worse and worse and worse until we meet the big bad wolf. And then if we don't get it through the big bad wolf, well, then we meet the bigger and badder wolf and the bigger and badder wolf and so on and so forth. And then generally what happens if we don't do our healing, our emotional body gets so terrorized and so in pain of a relationship. Like we have this urge that I want to be loved and I want to be in a relationship, which is the driving force. But if the driving force of, oh my God, it's just hell, is, is stronger and harder, well, then you'll end up with no relationship. So where you're at right now, and I'm going to be really honest and really blunt, you are absolutely looking at either no relationship and or in the future, another narcissist. You've already been doing the pattern. So this has got to stop. This has got to stop. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with you, Meryl, is you haven't healed your parts that have made you susceptible to attracting and sustaining narcissists. Point blank. And that's what I wrote about in that blog about taking responsibility. That's what's wrong with you. That's what was wrong with all of us until we got the healing liberation on it. Meryl, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to deal with this hell that's exploding in your life on a survival, fight it, pain, thinking level. You're just trying to survive and exist in this holocaust. Meryl, you've got to stop you are trying to control the uncontrollable when you're inside uncontrollable and it never works. You've got to heal. So Meryl, your first step that you have to do is commit to your healing. I cannot recommend the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program enough. And I will tell you, and I'm really adamant about this, 
There is no excuse not to do it. Our addiction, our pain body, which loves, and I know this sounds ridiculous, it's not logical. Our emotional pain body loves being victimized, loves the pain, and loves keeping the pain going. It's our ego, it's our inner narcissist. And it does not want us to get out of that. So that unconscious part of ourselves is going to give us every excuse not to do the work on ourselves. Mine gave me every excuse for nearly four decades until there was no excuses left. You know, it's like when we're trying to give up cigarettes and you can have that little voice in your head going, oh, just one more won't hurt. Oh, you'll give up tomorrow. You know, all the excuses. Narcissistic abuse creates an addiction cycle within our emotional body and that addiction cycle and that pain body wants to keep hooking up to the pain, indulging it and being stuck in it. It's called victimization. And victimization is a disease. Now, if you want out of that, you've got to stand up to that part of you that is going to go, oh, but I don't know if I can heal. I don't know if this could work for me. I don't know if I've got the time. I'll give you 30 other excuses. I know, I've used them all. And I've met people that use them all till they've had enough. All of that's got to go. And you've got to go, you know what? I have to answer that question and I have to find the solutions and the healing to that answer. What is it about me that's been stuck in the pattern of creating narcissistic abuse and and attracting it and being in it and being damaged by it and staying hooked to the pain of it? What is it? Now, Meryl, where you say, what is wrong with me? I can't give you that answer in a radio Blogcast, I can't even give it to you in an email. I can't even give it to you in a three-hour discussion because that's between you and you. And what you need is the specific programs and the healing resources for you to access that and heal that. So that's the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program, and I say that to everybody. And the thing about the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program, it is a lifetime of resources. It is everything you need to know, plus the Quantum Freedom Healing, MP3 healing shifts that are essential to deal at that deep cellular past life childhood, this lifetime level, to release it and heal it. And all of that is a complete money-back guarantee. You can actually trial it for 14 days without even paying a cent. It's $175 Australian, which is the same US, and less European. It is less than two sessions of counselling. And if it doesn't work for you, you get to keep it all and you get your money back. Or you can pay it off monthly. There is no excuse. And I did it for this reason. I did it at that price. There is no program or healing resources out there on the market that are so affordable that give complete money back guarantees. I did it because I knew that a lot of women in these situations, more so than men, really lose their resources and are struggling with resources, but you have got to make yourself the biggest priority. And you know, I read once, and I can't remember, it might have been um, oh, the book Women That Love Too Much. I think it was in that book. And I remember, and this was way before I found the healing resources and I found the solution. I had to battle that inch by inch, and I found the pathway for other people, but I didn't know it at the time. And I remember when I read that, I think it was in that book where she said, if you are not willing to spend at least a great proportion of money and resources into healing yourself as opposed to the money and resources you have lost in your abusive relationship, you are not serious about getting well. Now, I know at the time, at the time, I lost everything. He'd 
run off with class. He my pants. I was late for me. I had a credit card he hadn't got to, and I was really threatened. I mean, I lost two houses. I lost everything. But and I remember at that time when I read that, and I went, you know what? You're right. Now I had a credit card that I hadn't touched that had been tucked away, and I started using it to get Palladian healings to get Reiki, to get crystal healings, to get massages, to to go to therapy. And I'd spent a fortune because I was doing it the long way round and not the specific straight to the core root problem. I was dealing with therapists that really didn't know how to deal with this. But I was starting to get relief and I was getting out of being suicidal and functioning. I spent a fortune on it. But you know what? It didn't matter because for the first time in my life, I made myself a priority. So, you know, if that's one of your excuses... I know people, seriously, I know women in shelters, living in cars that have got on the program. I don't feel guilty, not in any shape or form, because I know they're accessing their life and they're getting their life back. I also know if it doesn't work for them, I'll give them their money back. Some of these women have got onto friends or family and said, could you please buy this program for me or I'll pay you back at some point because I don't have the money. They find a way. If you want to heal and you're going to commit, you will find a way. There are no excuses. So, you know, Meryl, enough of why he does this, why I'm feeling like this. Am I going to have another narc in my life? Enough, 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 enough. Heal. Heal. And honey, if you hand out, you'll hold out your hand to heal and you commit, I will back you all the way. And I will give you my best to take you through to the other side of who you are supposed to be, how much in love with yourself you're meant to be, how much self-respect, great self-love and self-boundaries and deservingness you have. And then I'm going to help you walk forward into creating a great guy that provides you more of the same, like I do with so many people. But I cannot do it unless you want to do it for yourself and you step up and do it. But if you do it, I'm there, 100%. So I hope that answers that question. So the last question that we have, wow, this is really cool. I really like this one because I really love looking at the whole um, spiritual, religious dynamic and et cetera, et cetera. So this might be controversial for a few people. And I'll say it again as a disclaimer. They're only my views. They're only my beliefs that have served me and they may or may not serve you. So this email is, hi, Melanie. I love your NARC program. I was involved with a sociopath who's also a narcissist, and let's just get it straight. They usually do go hand in hand, absolutely. Anybody that is out of source energy in an egoic false self is sociopathic and narcissistic as far as I'm concerned, absolutely. Because sociopaths don't relate to other people in healthy ways, and narcissists are just self-entitled agendas who operate from a you-lose-I-win agenda. So they're both the same thing as far as I'm concerned. My question is spiritual. I love it. I love spiritual questions. Do you think that these people are sent from hell, demon, or evil spirits, if you will, as I've seen many biblical references to that on many different websites? And if so, does that mean we're somehow going to hell as we're attracted such evil to us? What does it say about us? Thanks, Anne. I love this question because I'm pretty passionate about the answer. Okay, so Anne, these are only my beliefs. I actually don't believe in the concepts of heaven and hell. I'll explain. I actually believe that they're not an outer destination or an outer thing. I believe they're an inner state. I believe we're either aligned or at one with ourselves in heaven or we're unaligned and not at one with ourselves in life, which is being in hell. I don't believe it's a destination. I believe it's a state. 
And I believe, because I believe in past life reincarnations, I believe we're eternal beings that who will never not exist, who will infinitely exist. I don't believe there's a place we stop and a place we start. And quantum physics backs that up. What I do believe is that we have choice. We have the most incredible choice, especially in this lifetime, of free will. And I believe that universal source energy loves us completely unconditionally. It doesn't judge our choices. So universal energy says to me, Melanie, Melanie, if you're at one with life and at one with yourself, I'm going to give you more you. That's your vibration. That's your feelings. That's your belief systems. So you, I'm going to give you more of you. Now, I actually believe that I'm source and life as well. I'm that creative energy that we're all one, we're all connected, and source life loves me enough to give me my vibration. Now, source life, creation, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, loves me enough that if I'm in hell, that if I'm off, that if I have belief systems, which means I don't love and accept myself and I judge myself and I don't deserve, etc., etc., life source, God, universe, creation says to me, Melanie, I love you so much that I'm going to give you more of what you want. I'm going to give you more of your vibration. I'm going to supply you more of the same, which is exactly where my life used to be. Now, the great thing about all of this, life source, universe, God, is showing me I'm the creator, is showing me that I am life source, God, the universe. I'm the creator of my reality. Absolutely. So wherever I'm at, I'm going to get more of that. Wherever I'm at was what I got born into, wherever I'm at, etc., etc., etc. So I can update and upgrade my energy. So in response to the narcissist, I don't believe that... Nar- I Look, absolutely, I believe that the uh, archetype of evil is the narcissist, the archetype. Now, the definition of evil to me is is when we're disconnected from source, when we're not, when we don't know ourselves as the creator, life source, the universe, etc. when we feel separated from that, when we feel like it's me against the world, that life source, universe, God does not accept me, that I'm not whole, I'm unacceptable, I'm defective, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm all of that. That is the narcissistic experience because that's how all narcissists feel. I believe at true self level, which everybody is, and I believe narcissists are too, which doesn't mean that I think they can they can heal at a human level because that takes humility and responsibility and narcissists don't do that because it's just they go into the quick fix of narc supply. They don't hold out through those stages to do that sort of healing. They just don't. No, I believe at soul level everything is pure and only love so my whole take on the narcissistic experience why are we going to hell because we attracted them well I don't believe you can go to hell anyway I believe you're either in it or you're not I don't believe you go there you know so no I mean the only thing I ever believe that's creating our judgment is ourselves. I don't think there's an outer like authority going, Well, you have or haven't done good enough or you haven't haven't done this right or that right and that's what why you're going somewhere or you aren't. I think you just create more of you here and in after life and in past lives. So 
really, I know that I attracted the narcissist into my life because I wasn't at one. I was separated from source. I didn't believe that I was lovable, worthy, that I, that I was love. I didn't deserve, you know, I, I didn't love me. That's why I got the narcissist. I actually don't see the narcissist in my life as a demon or an evil spirit. I actually see the narcissist in my life as one of the greatest healing angels that I could ever meet because I come back to what Barbara D'Angelo says about this and I think it is so, so powerful and I've said it on air before and I'm going to say it again because when I read these words, I cried with relief and love and joy and expansion because I knew it was true and I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you've read or heard words that just, you know, you know in every cell of your body that they're the truth and this experience that happened to me when I read her words and her words were that before we come down she believes in reincarnation too as do I as do a lot of healers that before we came down we were sitting up there in the halls of learning and we were going through our next incarnation and what we wanted to heal because we want to evolve we want to progress we want to become a light being we want to become creator love source life creation we want to be free we want to be love you know and before we came down here we said what's in the way of that you know what do I need to heal and I know that, you know, and I'll relate this story to me. Let's say I'm sitting up there and I'm saying, well, you know, I know I don't love myself. I know I don't respect myself. I know I don't take good care of myself. And I'm really hard on myself. And I want to heal all of that. I really want to heal all of that. I want to, I want to come home to my God within. I want, to, I want to come home to love and self-acceptance. So... I'm talking in the halls of learning to a wise being and this wise being is saying, okay, well, we, we might need somebody else to help you out with this experience, you know, would that be, would that be good? And I'm like, perfect. I, you know, I, I, I know when I come down here, I'm going to forget what I wanted to heal. I'm going to relinquish my memory my soul memory and I'm going to have to start from scratch and I'm going to have to work my way through it because I didn't get it done last time. So please, please, yes, put the perfect person in my path to help me with this. So my ex-narcissistic husband put his hand up and said, Dearly beloved, I'll help you with this if you like. And I said, tell more. And he said, well, look, I'll come into your experience. You're going to fall madly in love with me. It is going to feel like the most intense love connection you've ever felt. It's going to appear that I'm going to give you all of those things you haven't been giving yourself. I'm going to appear to be the most respectful, the most loving, the most devoted, the most adoring man and true life partner you could ever imagine. I'm going to... I'm going, to be, I'm going to look like that. You're going to fall in love with me. We're going to get married. And then before long, or even before we get married, I'm going to start abusing you. You're going to find out that I'm actually abusing you, that I'm not there for your best interest. I'm going to hurt you. You are going to because you love me, because you wanted to believe in the illusion that I needed to give you you so much, you are going to hang on. I'm going to pulverize you. You are going to hang on. I'm going to make it worse. You're going to hang on. I'm going to rip your life apart. You're going to hang on. You are going to hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm actually going to bring you to the brink of life and death. Because if you're too stubborn to get it, to start respecting, loving yourself, honoring yourself, let go and do the healing on this, which only you can do. If you don't get it, I'm going to take you right to the end of the line. And if you don't get it, well, then you'll die and you'll come back and you'll have to do it again. But I'm going to do my hardest to make you get it. 
I'm not going to let go of you until I take you to either your liberation or to death because this is what you want. You want to fix this. And I've said, dearly beloved, that sounds perfect. That is fantastic. That is exactly what I need. I will see you in this next lifetime and we're going to do this. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. So I believe there's only love. I believe there's only angels. I don't believe in evil. I don't believe in demons. I don't believe in the devil. I believe in choice, vibration, and being at one or not being at one. And that completely changes everything. So I really, really hope that that has helped. And also, too, you know, if anybody's got any responses to these questions that I've answered, and I think I'll do this once a month and we'll keep doing it.